When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. Good morning. Welcome to the Captain's Run. Julian DeStook sitting in for Sam Edmund, who did a wonderful job on breakfast all week with Simon O'Donnell and this morning, David King. Got a huge show uh, for you this morning. Plenty of footy. We're going to chat to Matty Cruiser in a minute. Uh, we'll talk some footy, but more importantly, it's uh, about the inaugural Ride for Respects, uh, which is raising awareness and funds for the Carlton Respects Initiative, aiming to create a society of equality and respect in schools, communities and workplaces. So the former Carlton star and now Carlton Ruck coach will join us uh, in a sec. Shane Crawford's going to join us. Bit of footy there as well, but more about his theatrical debut as Pharaoh in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, which gets underway uh, next week. Emma Carney will join us, North Melbourne AFLW star, captain, and of course, uh, got a new role under Alistair Clarkson in the men's program. Damari Gray, Everton Premier League star, is also going to be part of the show. Everton, as well as Celtic, are coming to Australia to play in the Sydney Super Cup against uh, Sydney FC. We'll talk some cricket with Ella Haywood uh, from the, the Renegades and also hockey star Hannah Gravenel uh, will join us. So big show. Just a couple of thoughts uh, for the open line. one 736 736 You can always join us on the open line for EFS delivering effective freight solutions. Gil McLaughlin in Adelaide today to announce the, well, it won't be called the Magic Round because that's what they called in the NRL, but will you go? In Adelaide, will you fly over, will you drive over, spend the weekend in Adelaide, watch a couple of games of footy and uh, potentially get out to some of the great areas around uh, South Australia, some of the wineries that aren't too far from Adelaide. Uh, so will you go over, you're not interested, think it's a good concept, uh, share your thoughts. And just we heard Tom Mitchell on Breakfast. We heard Max Gorn earlier this week discussing the excitement of Brody Grundy joining the Demons. Which of those two players will have a bigger impact on their clubs in 2023. Will it be Grundy at the D's or Mitchell at the Pies? So we'll take your calls uh, very shortly. But as we said, uh, one of Carlton's greats, one of their most favourite sons over the last 10 to 15 years is Matty Cruiser, and he's been good enough to join us this morning. Hello, Matty. G'day, Jules. How are you? Very well, very well. Mate, uh, tell us about the uh, Ride for Respect. Um, You can jump on. There's limited tickets, rideforrespect.com.au. But just tell us what it's all about. Yeah, look, it's a great initiative the club have put together, um, obviously with the Carlton Respects program, uh, the Carlton Business Network. So the inaugural ride will be uh, on the 25th of November um, and yeah, looking forward to it. So it's a ride up around Hillsville, um, just raising as much funds as we can for the program. So, yeah, around the uh, Hillsville RAC Country Club, which is a, a beautiful uh, golf course and facility out there in Hillsville, right in the morning, and then a networking luncheon held after. Yourself will be there, as well as uh, cycling uh, elite Matty Keenan, Annette Edmondson, and also Mitchell Docker. So it should be fantastic. Rideforrespect.com.au is where you can find more details. Uh, what sort of a cyclist are you, Matty? 
Uh, look, I've spent a fair bit of time on the bike, uh, obviously a few years ago with a few injuries, but um, it's something I really enjoy <clears throat> getting out on the bike and even watching the Tour de France and other events like that. Um, it's pretty impressive what those athletes can do. Uh, you look at the speed they go and the hills they climb, so it's a tough sport um, and, yeah, something I'm pretty keen about. I'm tipping at times you would have got sick of getting on the bike as part of rehab. Look, there was some times, especially when you're stuck on the stationary bike, uh, doing the same thing in the middle of winter. Uh, but it is always nice to get out on the bike on the road um, and head out to places like Hillsville and those things and see the scenery and enjoy going up the hills and have more fun going down them. So, um, yeah, there was some challenging times stuck on the stationary bike, but still enjoyed it. I'm tipping at your size, uh, getting up some of the bigger hills is, is not that easy. Uh, it's not, but it's actually funny. I actually preferred climbing the hills than riding the flat. Um, so we've done beach road a few times, but I used to get a little bit bored just along there. Whereas the hills, at least it's, you, uh, get to the top. And as I said, it's fun coming down the other side. So, um, yeah, but it's not great when you're going up against some of the, some of the smaller blokes and they just seem to fly up. Um, and we've got to work a little bit harder, but, uh, we go a little bit quicker going down. How is life in retirement, Matty? Obviously, you still get your footy fix as uh, Carlton Ruck coach and working with some you know, very talented tools at Carlton. But how is life in general post your footy career? Yeah, it's been good. Um, it's something I'm really enjoying. Obviously, yeah, still getting the footy uh, side of things. And it's great being part of that and sort of helping the younger boys we've got there and sort of just being a little bit of a mentor and passing on some of my experiences. Um, but, yeah, outside of footy, it's been good as well. Um, just had my second child, uh, little girl, so she's 10 weeks old. So Congratulations. Got a three-year-old and a 10-week-old, so they're keeping us quite busy at the moment. Um, but, yeah, no, life's good. Yeah, you know, you're in the thick of it now with two under three. I know exactly what that uh, feels like. In, t- <laughs> in terms of your uh, – if you got coaching aspirations, would you, would you like to get into other roles down the track? Uh, look, it's something I never thought too much about when I was playing. Um, I thought I'd step away from footy, but obviously my last year broke the foot in round one, uh, and then we were in the hubs for most of the year, and I sort of took on that role as ruck coach and actually got a fair bit out of it, um, personally, just sort of helping young boys develop and seeing them grow, um, something I've really enjoyed. So the role I'm doing at the moment, I love, um, and as I said, it's just enough footy without too much, because um, obviously your whole life's been footy. So, um, yeah, who knows what happens in the future if we uh, pursue it a little bit more or just see how we go. But I'm just really loving what I'm doing at the moment. We heard Paddy Cripps speak on the run home with Andy Ma and Andrew Gaze last night. And obviously a lot of good things for Carlton last season, but it ended in such disappointing fashion uh, with that last game against Collingwood just to miss out on finals footy. How did you sort of assess the year as a whole for the Blues last year? And, and how much do you think, how much that's stung will uh, actually help the boys going forward yeah look it was a positive year obviously the last two weeks wasn't great um and we missed out on playing finals but if you look at the whole year it was very positive um we played some really good footy um and played some really good sides and had some good wins so we know this off season it's another big off season and the boys are hurting um and i think they're going to use that to fuel themselves to go that extra little bit in pre-season um and into next year so it's like anything, though, every team is improving over the off-season and pre-season, so we've got to take that little bit extra step uh, just to make sure we can get there next year. Talk to Matty Cruiser, former Carlton star, now current ruck coach, uh, is uh, later this month will get involved in the inaugural ride for respect. So it's being run by the Carlton in Business Network 
looking to get keen cyclists and business people involved. It's raising awareness and funds for the Carlton Respects Initiative, aiming to create a society of equality and respect in schools, communities and workplaces. And we know the Carlton Respects program uh, does some magnificent things. Uh, you work with a very talented young Ruck Ford uh, by the name of Tom DeConing. What's the next step for Tom to, to go to the next level as, as a footballer, and in particular as a Ruckman? Yeah, look, I think I said it last week. Um, it was probably great for Tommy last year. Um, obviously, it was sad to see Pitto go down, but it gave Tommy his chance to be that sort of number one Ruck for a number of weeks. And um, we saw the growth in that time uh, when he was playing, just what he can do. He's got that power and that real X factor. He can take some great marks and his follow-up's unbelievable. So I think like Tommy's still young, developing. So just getting those games under his belt, working out or getting his strength so he can compete against the Gorns and Grundys and everything and Sean Darcy. So um, yeah, just a little bit more time in the gym, getting bigger, stronger and just getting games under his belt um, will really take his game to the next level. What's the most difficult thing? I mean, you came in as a ruckman. You're obviously in a high pick. What, what's the most difficult thing for a ruckman in their first, you know, two or three years uh, in the system to, to learn and to feel comfortable playing AFL footy? Yeah, look, it's a big step because, I mean, you're coming from under-18 footy, so you're playing against 18-year-old boys, so to say, and then you're coming straight in. And I remember my first year, I was playing against Aaron Sandlands and Dean Cox, and they were two of the best ruckmen to play in the last number of years. And they're just men. Like, Sandlands, unbelievable size and strength, and he could cover the ground like no one else. Um, and then Dean Cox, just the way he moved too. So it is a big learning curve. Um, but I think it's one of the best things, being able to play against those players early in your career um, and you can find out what their strengths are and how they do things and try and model yourself on that. And playing against those players, it's like, well, you know you've got to do that work to get there. So it's just anything. You've just got to get time and time in um, to work out your strengths. And obviously you've got your strengths from an underage footballer um, that, the club drafted you for. So you really just want to expose those as much as you can um, and, yeah, use them to your strength. Matty, you're probably aware that Andy Ma has a slight leaning towards the Blues over the journey. He keeps talking Don't about he? it. Uh, yeah, I know that's a surprise for you. Um, there's, a, there's a young ruckman there that he's pretty keen on by the name of Alex Murkoff. So 210 centimetres, 104 kilos. We haven't obviously seen him at, at senior level yet. Just tell us a little bit about Alex and, and some of the work you've done with him. Yeah, it's actually a great story. So he was just playing under-19 footy out at Old Ivanhoe. Um, and obviously our recruiters seen him out there and uh, drafted him through the mid-season draft uh, a number of years ago now. And the growth that he's had, like he never played too much footy as a junior, um, but he's come into the system. And, mate, for a young kid that hasn't done much, like, as I said, he's six foot ten. he can move, he can jump, um, and he's picking up the game really quickly. So... I'm excited about him for the next couple of years. Um, he's a hard worker. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it's just going to take him time just playing games. But his VFL season this year was unbelievable. So the best thing for him, again, he played most of the year, um, got through, got some real good confidence out of it. And I know he's looking forward to a really good preseason now too. As a former star, <clears throat> excuse me, star ruckman yourself, as you, you know, you played against Max Gorn, you played against Brody Grundy. Now those two are playing together. Are you sort of fascinated how that's going to work, those two combining in the same site? I am, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you look at it and you've got two A-grade ruckmen. And, I mean, I know for us, like, obviously when, like this year, we had Jack Silvani playing second ruck. So, I mean, it just makes it hard if um, you've got Gorn and Grundy changing constantly. You've got 
two great ruckmen in there. So, you know, you're going to be in for it all day. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it does work. Um, and obviously they'll be putting a good plan in place and trying to get the best out of both of them. So yeah, no, it's going to be a tough one when we play against them. That's for sure. How does Jack go when he's asked to play in the ruck? Does he, lo- does he, he enjoy it or he's it. like, uh, no thanks? He's done it. Yeah, he does. Uh, he didn't enjoy the, uh, corks in the shin or in the fire at all but <laughs> that just comes with it um but no he, he loves it and he's done a great job for us when he had to go in there and i think that's the type of player jack is you just tell him to do something he'll go do it and um give it his best crack you're probably a little bit biased when you answer this question but how important is a ruckman to a side because we've seen these dominant ruckman that we've got in the competition but aside from max gorn if you go through the last sort of six or seven premierships teams they haven't had the best ruckman or best two or three ruckmen in the competition in the team. So so how important is a dominant ruckman in a team these days? Being a former ruckman, they're very important. They're the most important player on the field. thought you might say that. Um, I'd say. <laughs> now, look, I, I think, yeah, very important. Obviously, um, if, it's a whole collective as well. I mean, everyone needs to be on the same page. The ruckman needs to connect well with the midfielders. Um, and as I said, like a ruckman, they're no longer just sit there and tap the ball. It's your follow-up, getting involved, helping the midfielders and taking marks around the ground and even forward as well. So it's a whole collective now. Um, the, the position has evolved a lot over the last couple of years. Um, we've seen that. And, yeah, when you do get a good one, obviously like uh, Max and even young Sean Darcy, who's really coming on now, um, yeah, they can be very valuable to the team. Now, Matty, as pointed out by one of our uh, 40 Winks uh, temper texters, uh, you played a game for Greensboro last season in the Northern Footy League did, against yeah. <laughs> uh, a pretty uh, athletic person by the name of Mad Jack Daw, who was playing for North Heidelberg. How did that go? Yeah, it was good fun. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to pull the boots on again or not, but sort of, I got my arm twisted a little bit and I sort of thought, no, I wouldn't mind playing another one. So I made sure I picked a nice day. Uh, the sun was shining, <laughs> so which was good. Uh, but yeah, when I heard Mad Jack was playing, I sort of said to the coach, look, I can't jump anymore, so I won't be going in the ruck. I'll just stay in the fall of 50. Um, but yeah, Mad Jack was in the ruck all day and yeah, he played pretty well. Um, but yeah, it was good to see. So are you one and done or you are open to offers in 2023 for a cameo appearance every now and then? I might play another one or two this year at Greensboro. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously got the blues, um, see how the fixture lines up and even the young ones now at home. So yeah, the Plate's a little bit full, but hopefully we can get another one or two in. Ah, magnificent. Hey, Matty, thanks so much uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, great to catch up. And the, the uh, inaugural Ride for Respect will be a fantastic event. Uh, good luck with it. I'm sure there'll be plenty of interest. As we say, log on to rideforrespect.com.au to book your place in the ride. Matty Cruiser will be there, Matty Keenan, Annette Edmondson, and Mitchell Docker as well. So uh, you'll see some great names out there if you get involved. Uh, good luck with it, and uh, good luck for the Blues in 2023. And uh, good luck on the home front with two under three. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Jules. Great to chat to Matty Cruiser. What a great player he was and, and such a popular player amongst the Carlton hierarchy. And I think every footy fan would have loved to have seen Matty Cruiser just get a little bit better run with injury because uh, at his best, he was one of the uh, best in the business. Let's get our first breakaway on the captain's run. Uh, keep sending your temper texts through 0433-981116. Give us a call, 1300-736-736 on the open line for EFS, delivering effective freight solutions Anything you want to talk about, whether it's who's going to be better out of Tom Mitchell and Brody Grundy for their team. Are you excited about Magic Round 
in Adelaide. Even the cricket last night. What a phenomenal performance uh, by England and their two openers, Josh Butler and Alex Hales. They made that run chase look so easy. Now they set up that final against Pakistan at the MCG on Sunday. We'll be back with plenty more on the captain's run after this. The captain's run with Sam Edmund. Welcome back to the show. Julian just do sitting in for Sam Evan. Ella Haywood will join us in a sec from the Melbourne Renegades uh, WBBL. They've got a doubleheader uh, this weekend. Unfortunately, uh, Rain played a part with their match again yesterday. Before that, though, Alex in North Lake WA has jumped on once to have a chat about Magic Round. G'day, Alex. G'day, Julian. Yeah, for the life of me, I can't work out what the benefits are for a club like, let's say, the West Coast Eagles would get from going to South Australia to play another game. As it is, the draw is compromised. And this just further compromises the draw. What, what's in it for the clubs? Well, some money uh, for a start. Uh, but look, every, apart from the two South Australian teams, everyone's got to travel. Everyone's got to travel to get there. Yeah, but the West Coast Eagles travel enough as it is, let alone putting in another game where they have to travel again. No, I understand that. It's probably a bit tough on, on the teams that have to travel a little bit further. But I, I, I don't quite understand the negativity around it. I think... I'd rather have an extra round of footy than uh, a round of practice matches. Um, and I, I think it's a good concept. It works well in the NRL. I, th- I think it'll be really well supported uh, in SA. All the players uh, in, a, in the NRL love it. They get up there and they get around uh, their fellow um, you know, players for a weekend. And um, there's a great atmosphere around it. So I can't see why we can't replicate that in the AFL. We'll, 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 we'll bring you some comments from Gil McLaughlin. He's just about to start addressing the media and he might explain it better and also explain it how it's going to work. Uh, Alex, thanks for your call. Uh, Ella Haywood has been good enough to join us uh, from the Renegades uh, WBBL team. Ella, uh, good morning. Thanks for your time. Morning. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. You must be sick of this rain uh, playing havoc with the, uh, the WBBL competition this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit annoying. It keeps following us everywhere, to be honest. But, yeah, hopefully we can get some games in over the next couple of days. Yeah, first game in Melbourne uh, since 2019. Unfortunately, rain intervened. But uh, double-headed this weekend, tomorrow against the Perth Scorchers uh, and then Sunday against the Stars, both at Junction Oval. And uh, the way the team's sitting right now, there's just no margin for error, is there, Ali? you just you just got to win these matches. Yeah, that's exactly right. We need a win as many games as we can and get as many points. But, um, yeah, just compete and do the best we can and hopefully we can get a few wins on the board. Tell us about First Nations Round. Uh, the, the the kit the girls are wearing this year is designed by Kaya Nicholson-Ward. Uh, you've worn that one for the yep. last couple of years, but I believe you're involved in designing a new shirt for next season. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, First Nations Round is obviously really important and it's the second year that we've had a First Nations Round, so it's really good. Um, to have all the jerseys and things like that. So we've used ours for the last three years. Um, and, yeah, we're in the process of designing a new one, and I've loved being a, a part of that process. And I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing that and getting to wear it next year. How far are you down the process in terms of the design? Yeah, we're, we're almost done. So we've also got um, an artwork um, to go with it, and we've finished the artwork, and that's um, getting put up in Junction Oval, which will be really awesome. And then, yeah, we've got a few more steps to go, but we're, we're pretty close to finishing up on the on the jersey, which is awesome. It's really interesting with uh, First Nation players in cricket because we're seeing across Australian sport, uh, you know, the, the prevalence of, of First Nation people, whether it's in, a, in a, the football codes, a whole heap of sports in our netball now. But it's been a bit of a slow burn for cricket and, and First Nations people 
making the elite level, but we're starting to see it particularly in the women's game now. Why do you think it's been a little bit slow for for our First Nations cricketers to, to reach the really high levels? Yeah, I think it's, it's it's an interesting one. I think part of it is obviously some people may not be always like fully aware of their culture and things like that, which definitely can play a part. Um, um, I've been lucky enough that I knew quite young from my dad's side that I, that I was um, Indigenous and, and came from that background. But um, Emma Maddox, Jeeves, another Indigenous player, knew a bit later in, in her cricket journey. So it's different for everybody, but it's good to see it growing and it, it is slowly growing and the more that we have that recognition for First Nations people and having the round and the jerseys and having a bit of media around around it, it definitely helps and it, it shows young girls that, you know, you can achieve anything and you can come from anywhere and, and, and do what you love. So it's really, really good to see more people participating and, and um, yeah, getting an understanding of it all. So for those that aren't aware, Ella, just tell us about your, your background. Yeah, so I'm from Darwin, as I said, from my dad's side. So, yeah, that's my mob, and, and I love representing, um, yeah, my, my mob every time I, I step on the field, and particularly when I'm wearing the jerseys. So, as we said, this season, uh, we're speaking to Ella Haywood from the Melbourne Renegades. Uh, it's been a bit of a tough season for the Renegades. You know, rain's played a part. But uh, just for you personally, so last year you are travelling with the team and doing some of your yeah. exams. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. So last year I, I had a few exams. Um, I finished year 12 last year. So, um, yeah, there was actually a day where I had to do an exam uh, on, in the morning and then I, I came late during during the warm-up and then had to play and I ended up opening the bowling. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting day and it was a long day. But, um, yeah, it was good. I kind of needed that. It was good to have a bit of balance between school and cricket and I could take my mind off either one by, by having the other one. So it was a bit of a juggle, but uh, an experience I wouldn't take back. And, yeah, I had a good time. How'd you end up going in the exam? Yeah, I, I did pretty well on my exam, so I was pretty happy. Um, yeah, just wanted to kind of get it done and do the best I could and um, study wherever I could and, and just get it done. So it was tough travelling and doing them, but, um, yeah, I was pretty lucky that it worked well with my, my cricket schedule. And you're studying this year? Um, not this year. So this year I'm just having a, yep. a gap year, just, to focus on cricket and take a bit of time off studying in school, but we'll we'll definitely go into to uni next year for sure. What are you looking to do? Um, probably looking at teaching, I think. Yep. Beautiful. Primary or yep, secondary? That'll be good. Uh, probably primary. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, now, yep. the Australian cricket team, and, and there's so many great role models and we've got so many great players and the Australian team has been... Virtually unbeatable. It's probably our greatest uh, national sporting team right now. Who, who have been some of the, the players that you've looked up to and, and, and also the players you've been able to work with uh, since, uh, you know, breaking through with the Renegades in Victoria? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm very, very lucky, actually. Um, for me, growing up, it was always uh, Meg Lining as somebody who I idolised, which obviously I get to do uh, stuff with her and the, the big team. And, um, yeah, it's great having her around, but... For me, a big role model from when I was, you know, coming through the program um, was Soph Molyneux, actually. Um, I met her at quite a young age and, um, yeah, she was always very welcoming and, and um, yeah, big part of my journey early on. So to actually get to, like, play with her now and, um, yeah, be close mates and, and, yeah, to be under her leadership and learn off her and just have her around as a, as a, a leader is, is so awesome and it's a, a really cool experience that... Um, I get to do, so I feel very lucky that 
I get to play cricket with so many of uh, yeah my role models and people who I've idolised growing up. At what um, age did you very, very what what age did you get into cricket, Ella? And and how did you get involved in yeah, the sport? So, yeah, so I wanted to. I was playing tennis. I've always been playing tennis. So I played when I was. I started when I was three years old, and then from there, um, I wanted to play another sport around about when I was nine years old. And um, yeah, I really liked the team aspect of it. And then uh, when I was twelve, I went to my first uh, big tournament, and I loved it. So I decided to just kind of switch over to cricket over time. And yeah, from about 15 onwards, I've just been, been cricket and just stuck at it, to be honest. And, um, yeah, very lucky with where I am today. Obviously, you've got the Renegades uh, season to finish off with, and hopefully there's some finals there if uh, you can get some wins uh, late in the tournament. But uh, in January next year, we've got the female under-19 World Cup, first ever uh, under-19 yeah. World Cup for the females. Um, you're confident you'll get a start there? Um. Oh, look, it, it's hard to tell for me. It, it's something I would love to play in and I, I hope I get the opportunity to do so. But yeah, I, I kind of, you know, you're not really in it until you, your name's on the sheet. So um, yeah, just continuing to play my roles for all the teams that I play in, you know, they look at all, all, all your cricket that you play in. So we've got the under under 19 national championships in December. So that's a, a big one for me that I want to do well at and just see what happens. But yeah, just continue to play my role for the team and, if I, I get picked, then that's a bit of a bonus and will be a really cool experience. Now, uh, a little birdie told me your nickname is DJ. Why is yes, why is correct. that? Um, so, yeah, uh, in quarantine uh, a couple of years ago, I wanted to start a bit of a new hobby. So I randomly, you know, I've loved music for a long time, all, all genres, all types of music. So, yeah, I've been thinking about getting a, a DJ set for a little while and, just kind of went for it and, and taught myself in quarantine just for something to do. And then from there, yeah, a few of the cricket girls found out and wanted wanted to test me out. And, um, yeah, they, they had a really good time and I've, I've kind of just fell in love with it and I really enjoy doing it outside of cricket. And do you take the decks with you on tour, on the road? Yeah, I do actually. Yep, yep. Most places, they can be a bit of a hassle at the airport, but, um, yeah, I, I try to take them wherever I can. Uh, especially with the Gades girls, they they really get around it, which is really always really fun and um, yeah, really nice. So yeah, I take them wherever I can, and um, if we've got some spare time or just want to have a bit of fun together, then I can always whip them out for the girls, which is good. Magnificent. Now you said tennis growing up. Obviously, you're doing great things in cricket, but looking at your Instagram too, there's a bit of soccer talent there, juggling the football. Are you what <laughs> is Matilda is Matilda's next for you? Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's just, again, a bit of fun. Like, I find when I'm at cricket and warming up, I kind of try and find anything other than cricket to do. Um, so I'm always picking up a soccer ball or a volleyball or tennis racket or whatever I can to kind of do something else. So, um, yeah, just a bit of a pre-game ritual now where I just have a bit of a kick and, yeah, enjoy it. But, yeah, definitely no... No Matildas for me, I don't think. Uh, too much talent. Too much talent. Hey, Ella, great to chat uh, this morning. Uh, good luck awesome. on the weekend. A double header uh, for the... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Renegades, and uh, let's hope there's some higher honours not too far around the corner for you as well. It's been great to chat this morning. No, thanks for having me. Great to have a chat. Great to chat to Ella Haywood from the Melbourne Renegades. We say we've got the double header on the weekend versus the Scorchers and the Melbourne Star. This time you've gone too far. You've gone and signed up every top model in town for Fashion Week. Jealous, Houston? Well, there's no way you can hire them all and still stay under the salary cap. And when I get some proof, I'm going to destroy you, Hank. You and the whole Bolger dynasty. And that's it? Yeah, pretty much. Australian television at its peak right there. The House of Bolger on the footy show in 2003. Now, there were some familiar voices there. Shane Crawford, of course, as Hank Bolger. But to be honest, I think our fearless breakfast host, Gary Lyon, was the star of that show. His uh, son bent out the back, shaking his head, embarrassed to hear the audio of his dad. But uh, it was sort of the start of Shane Crawford's uh, acting journey. So Crawford's going to join us uh, in a sec. A far more serious uh, acting role that he's got now. He's in the theatre. He's going to play the role of Pharaoh in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. It, uh, it starts its Melbourne season on November 13. And big shoes to fill. When this uh, stage show was in London, none other than Jason Donovan played the role of Pharaoh. So big shoes uh, for Shane Crawford uh, to step into. So he's going to join us at uh, very, very shortly. Uh, just a couple more off our 40 Wings temper. Uh, we had a caller before saying Jacob Hopper will have a massive impact at Richmond. Uh, that Richmond caller was off the money. Jacob Hopper only played seven games in 2022, like Prestia, rarely gets on the park. Another one here, take it to the bank. Cooper Stevens will be the Hawks. Best midfielder by the end of 2023 from a heartbroken Cats fan. But Shane Crawford, speaking of great Hawthorne midfielders, has been good enough to join us this morning. Hello, Crawford. G'day, Jules. How are you? Very well. Now, we just played a little bit of audio from that uh, groundbreaking series, uh, The House of Bulger. Um, <laughs> did you ever think you'd top anything that like uh, in your theatrical career or acting career than The House of Bulger? Uh, no, that was as good as it would could ever get. Although we did the Big Bill House, which was interesting um, for quite some time on the footy show. But uh, no, this is this definitely a different space, a different level of professionalism. Um, this is the, the top of the tree from a professional point of view. So uh, a very different feel and vibe and a way about it all. <laughs> it gets better with age, the House of Bolger, no doubt about that. So how did this come about, Shane, that you, you secured the role as Pharaoh in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? <laughs> Well, and don't don't forget uh, House of Bulger. We had the rock on Dwayne Johnson. That was one of the first things he did. We set him on his way. Well, there you uh, go. Nice, but um, no. Well, this was uh, this uh, obviously the the big bosses from the UK and America flew out to do or the auditions um, in Melbourne and Sydney, and I sort of chickened out a bit because I was asked whether or not I would audition for a role they thought may uh, have some interest, and then um, and then I end up doing an online audition. A couple of weeks later, where I had to try and belt out a song and get into the character that they wanted me to do. And I thought, why not? Just do it. I said, you know, I said, this could be a different experience. And I'm sort of at that stage in my life where I might just want to try, you know, or, or do some things that, you know, make me feel alive and um, experience a different way of life. So, um, yeah, so I did that. And then a couple of weeks later, they rang back and said, we uh, want to give you the job. And I went, 
Oh my goodness, are you sure? So um, yeah, so that's sort of how it's all come about, and we've been we've been very much in pre-season over the last six weeks, going flat out, and then we're um, we're nearly ready to go. We start on Sunday, and um, yeah, it's going to be in Melbourne for a few months, and then it starts travelling here, and then travels overseas. So I'll I'll be doing little bits of it throughout, but uh, I'll definitely be here in Melbourne having a go, see how we go. How tough's it been, Shane? I mean, as you mentioned, rehearsals, it's uh, its pretty intense. You've got to get yourself ready for opening night. How have you found the whole process? Has it been more challenging than you thought? Has it been uncomfortable? How have you found it? Very much like a, a football club. Um, yeah, the professionalism has been unbelievable. Um, and just the way that everyone can adapt from different scenes and and belting out numbers as soon as, you know, the fingers pointed in their direction. Yeah, it's been a huge learning curve for me. And every day I felt nervous in some way. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? Okay, right. And, you know, because obviously I don't know a lot of the people that I'm working with. It's a, They're all new teammates, really. So um, all you want to do is try and sort of do, fulfil your role and do your bit. But, um, you know, and just fit in and, and make sure everyone can come together and, and work very much like a team to make the show come to life and bring a bit of joy and fun to people's day if they do come along and watch the show. Have you felt a bit of pressure? I mean, uh, no disrespect, but it's a bit more of a step up from the the House of Bulger. But even when the role was announced, I was reading articles that some in the performing arts community weren't pleased that you got the role. So you're feeling that that bit of pressure to make sure that uh, you do it justice? Well, I wonder if they'll come to the show. Um, <laughs> hopefully, they'll still come along because I can assure you all the uh, other cast members are unbelievable. So, um, no, that, that's that's always going to happen. And I suppose it's like anything. It's, if they think there's a role for you to fulfil and they think that you're capable of doing that. Um, but, yeah, singing, like the whole, obviously, musical is all in song. So, singing, it's a very new space for me. Um, and I don't expect to be... Well, hopefully people don't expect me to be Celine Dion, but <laughs> hopefully they can feel that I might be able to hold a tune and, and play the character that I need to play, which is the pharaoh, who's the king. Um, so I thought, well, this is pretty good. Not every day do you get to act as the king and and have a bit of fun on stage. And, um, yeah, that's the way I'm treating it. I'm not too worried about, you know, any negativity around it all. And pressure-wise, all I can do is is do my best and be me. So that's all I've got. Um, I'll even said that to the bosses <laughs> in the UK. I even said that on first day when we started rehearsals. It's not too late if you don't think I can do that. <laughs> I've had Alistair Clarkson as a coach before. You know, he can give you some honest feedback so you can you can hit me straight between the eyes. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been an enjoyable experience. I've learned a great deal and, um, yeah, I'm ready just to, to fit in and hopefully do my bit. So outside of the, the cast that you're working with, how many people do you have helping you? Like, as you say, there's, there's singing involved. How many <laughs> other people are around you helping you get through this? Well, well the cast is probably about um, 40, 50 people, I'd say. And then obviously behind the scenes, there's probably another 40 people bringing a show. And, and what I've loved about it, I've had people obviously from the UK and America, you know, they've come off, from the West End and Broadway, and now they're trying to work with me and somehow mould me <laughs> into uh, a character that can hopefully stand up and, and get to 
the level that they want. So it's been quite nice because they've had no interest in AFL footy and they don't care about sport. All they care about is making sure they put a good show on, which uh, I'm sure it's going to be a good show because even when I'm not doing stuff, I take it all in and it's quite incredible what, um, what everyone can do. So as you mentioned there, the show has been, you know, it's been around the world. It's been in uh, on at the West End, as you say. Now, Jason Donovan played the role of Pharaoh when it was uh, the, the play was in London. Have you given Jason a call? Any tips? <laughs> no. It was, well, he played Joseph here too when it first started a long, long time ago when he was uh, in his prime at Neighbours. And then he's actually playing the role right now in the UK. And, um, yeah, they did say it some stage if you want to fly over and and go and watch I just thought that would scare me off too much because (laughs) he's obviously a professional he's been in that space a long time and and the good thing about um you know the bosses I've been working with I just they they said listen you've got to put your own flavor you know we got you in here because we want a bit of you in there somewhere as well so um it's been really nice to be able to try and work at something where you can actually still be yourself in in the character so um yeah so no I, I didn't call i think i got too scared and at the end of the day you just sort of got to concentrate on what you think you can bring rather than trying to be someone that you're probably not is this just a one-off or is this if this goes well do you hope and uh, do you hope some more doors open <laughs> I, I i didn't do it to open more doors i just did it because i thought uh, it's an experience that i'd be kicking myself that i didn't sort of try you know and I've tried many different things um and you know I've been very lucky to have lots of great experiences but um yeah this is something that I'm really enjoying um obviously we haven't done the live audience yet and we still don't know if I'm capable of fulfilling what needs to be done but um no I definitely wouldn't rule it out absolutely I've loved the team aspect um it definitely reminds me of of footy days obviously footy sheds and musical uh, sheds, I suppose you get different <laughs> conversations, but um, but I've loved it. I saw a story on Nine News a couple of weeks ago, and you, you certainly some of your, your co-stars were were gushing about you and and how you fitted in and and how hard you're working. How how long is it is the longest day of rehearsals that you've had? Oh, it doesn't stop. Like at the moment, we're doing tech rehearsals, so we go from twelve until ten thirty at night. So, um, and that's obviously just getting everything set. So, yeah, no, no, it's very much like a pre-season in footy um, and then on with the show. And then not only that, once the show starts, you'll still be, you know, banging out singing lessons. You'll still be going back over numbers and so forth. So, it's, yeah, it's a it's a moving, fee, a moving beast, but it's also, you know, um, I'm just amazed because there's so many different uh, people that can play so many different characters. So that's definitely something I cannot do and I won't do because it's stressful enough trying to just take uh, take on the one role. But um, those those people have kept the musicals going all around the world because they've been able to jump in and play all these different roles at last minute that they're trained and somehow their brains are trained to adapt to uh, being all these different roles. I don't know how they're doing it. So the show begins on Sunday, as you mentioned. How long's the the season run for in Melbourne, and uh, and what venue is it playing at? It's um, it's in the city, right in the city in Collins Street, the Regent Theatre. It's a beautiful theatre. Um, it's on for the next few months, so um, into late Jan. Um, yep. Yeah, so 
family friendly, lots of fun. I guarantee people come along, they'll uh, they'll leave feeling good. Um, and you know, it's very rare that you can find things to do as a, a whole family. Um, and and then it yeah heads off to Sydney, and then it's going around the country, and then it's going to head overseas. So um, yeah, so there's a bit there. I don't I don't know which bits I'm going to do. All I'm concentrating on is getting through the first uh, first couple of months and seeing how we're travelling. <laughs> just just taking it one scene at a time, are we, Shane? Is that what we're saying? Well, I think, yeah, one song at a time, Jules. <laughs> now, you've got the four boys. Um, are the boys showing some sporting acumen? Are they showing some theatrical acumen? How are the boys going? Uh, well, they, they like their footy, but they're not – well, the twins don't. Uh, but I've got a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and they uh, they like footy. They're not obsessed with it, but um, the 14-year-old, he he jumps – he's in – because we live up the top of New South Wales, he jumps in the um, Gold Coast Academy, so he, he – he does a little bit there, which he enjoys. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't pushed them whatsoever. I just sort of let them find their own feet and do what they want to do, and just try and support them as much as possible. But if they're going to do anything with it, they need to start to really switch on now. And I've told them that. I said, no matter what you do, if you want to play football or tennis or you want to be a doctor, you got to start really honing in now on where you're going to go and what you want to do. So. Um, so, yeah, they'll work it out, I'm sure. Hang on. So you're saying the son of uh, Hawthorne great Shane Crawford, <laughs> if he comes along well, might play for the Gold Coast Suns? <laughs> no, he, he's – well, because we're up the top of uh, New South Wales, so it's the Northern Rivers, the Gold Coast um, Academy area. So the kids are all very lucky that they can jump into different – the Northern Rivers area and different Gold Coast Academy little zones. So it's, yeah, so Ben's been a part of that. He's been enjoying that. Um, I do Mark Evans, obviously, who's running the shot mm. there. I said to him, um, I said, if he's any good, he's, he's definitely going to Hawthorne, mate, I'll tell you right now. So, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's been great. It's been great for their development because they get coached properly and um, and they get great access to seeing the, uh, the Gold Coast sons and, and the way the players are coming through so I think and there's lots of great talent too I've watched a, a lot of junior footy and I think um, they're going to have like a, a really strong academy very much like the Sydney Swans coming through because they've got a lot of kids who can can really move and, and run like you need to um, to play at the AFL level so um, I think it's pretty exciting times um, with all the local kids showing a, a bit of form. How's your old club going, do you think, the Hawks? Board election coming up. You know, some talent went out during the trade period again. Uh, it's a fair old challenge Sammy Mitchell's got on his hands there. Yeah, that, that's that's the worrying thing because um, at the moment he's, he's heavily supported and, you know, and he's making the tough calls. And a lot of coaches in his position wouldn't, wouldn't have made a lot of the calls, you know, especially you've got so much experience going out. And I just worry that maybe sort of kept a couple just from a, a leadership point of view and a training point of view and and just having good blokes around. It's really important. But um, obviously, he wants to get game time and, and have no uh, no interference and and not be in a headspace where he can and chuck in a few older players to help out. It's like, no, I've got to see whether or not these young kids can stand up. So interesting time. I just hope even if there's a new board that comes on, Board. They don't get all a bit nervous because the Hawks may struggle for the next year or two. They s- stick together, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a really tough time. It's been very disappointing. Um, I've been 
absolutely shattered for Alistair Clarkson and and Chris Fagan and Jason Burt because you know I my experience with those guys you know Jason Burt was wonderful at from a welfare point of view and keeping the club together and and the players connected with their families and then Alistair Clarkson um, was incredible at making sure the players developed themselves off the field and were better people in the community and especially when they finished and then Chris Fagan well he's the he's the nicest bloke in footy um, and you can see that by the way that his players actually adore him so it's been a really disappointing um, time and you know all I can say is I, I've got great love and respect for those guys and I'm I'm wanting the absolute truth to come out very soon with all that so we can move on and hopefully they can just get on with coaching. Have you spoken to many former teammates about it? I have, yeah, and they uh, they feel the same way. And, and the, the issue is the, um, you know, I've spoken to some of the Indigenous players as well and the First Nation players. Um, and it's a, it's a hard situation for everyone because... The uh, some of the indigenous players that are heavily support um, Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson and Jason Burt, they can't really be vocal because they're seen as you know turning against um, you know the indigenous community. So it's a very tough situation for everyone, and I just hope that um, all the truth comes out very very soon, and um, you know the coaches can get on with it because they're incredible people. They really are, and. And, you know, to have, I suppose, all these accusations thrown at them and they haven't been able to come out and really sort of defend themselves, it's it's really unfair, you know. So I'm hoping that um, we can get to an end to it really soon. I was disappointed for the Swans as well and also the Cats because, yeah, yeah grand final week and we were talking about the Hawthorne situation where the Swans were awesome all year and the Cats were amazing. You know, they just timed it to perfection with their older players, just getting them perfectly set for a grand final. And we should have been focusing on on those two wonderful teams, um, you know, not necessarily what what was going wrong with Hawthorne. No, well said. And I think, yeah, we all just want the, the truth to come out on that one, however long it takes. Just a bit of a lighter one to finish with, Croft. Now, uh, you know, Gary Lyon, breakfast here, he's not going to do that forever. He was your co-star on the House of Bulger. Could he make the transformation over to theatre one day, do you think? I think he thinks he could, but do you think he could? Nah, too grumpy. Absolutely no chance. Um, Grumpy Gary, seriously. Um, I see a nice side to Gary, but he can get very grumpy. But um, No, he's he's wonderful to have around. He's a great leader, um, you know, and and the good thing is, you know, he'll... He'll lead from the front and steer you in the right direction. But, um, no, I think his dancing and singing days, <laughs> I think they finished a long time when he did a hamstring uh, <laughs> trying to belt out 100 metres one That's night. Right. I think ever since then he hasn't been able to do the uh, the can-can kick <laughs> into the sky that's been, uh, that's been missing from his armoury. Nah, I think it's all over for Gary, 100%. Hey, Shane, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. It's exciting for you. Good luck uh, come Sunday. I'm sure you'll do the role absolute justice. Enjoy it. Good on you, Jules. See you, mate. Bye. The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund.
Welcome back to the show. We're getting to the business end of the Hockey One season. Catch all the action live on KO Sports. One team that will be in the final series. It's in Bendigo. Uh, this year is Hockey Club Melbourne. We're joined by one of their stars, Hannah Gravenall, this morning. Hello, Hannah. Very well, thank you. Thanks for your time. Uh, so far, so good. It's been a, a really good season for your team so far. Oh, yeah, it's been going really well. So we started our preparation in August and, um, yeah, our coaches, um, Phil and Mitty, have just emphasised team hockey um, and we've prided ourselves on playing a really passing, strong passing game um, and doing our basics really well and it's put us, yeah, um, fortunately on top of the ladder and ready to go into the final series in Bendigo in um, on the 19th and 20th of November. How exciting is that going to be to to play finals in Bendigo, I guess, essentially in front of a home crowd? Oh, it's great. So we played our um, last round game last night at the Hockey Centre against Tassie and just having a home home um, crowd, it's just excellent. You know, it makes you um, get the energy up on the field and hearing the crowd ride the waves. And it was a really high-scoring game last night, so... Um, yeah, really lucky to play in front of a home crowd and um, down in Bendigo Hockey Centre, um, it'll just be excellent. So uh, they've got some new facilities down there and, um, yeah, looking forward to it, getting everyone down there to um, support us. Tell us about your journey, Hannah. You're, you're certainly a winner, 2017 Australian Hockey League gold with Victorian Vipers, four back-to-back Women's Premier League premierships with Hawthorne. Uh, so you're used to winning. <laughs> yeah, we've had a very good um, run down at Hawthorne in the Premier League in Melbourne. Um, and then, yeah, fortunate enough to be a part of some um, winning teams with the, um, it was um, then called um, the Australian Hockey League um, prior to kind of re- rebranding into the Hockey One League. But, yeah, really fortunate enough to um, play with some winning sides and have some really good coaching staff and um, teammates around me. So, yeah, feel incredibly lucky to be a part of Hockey One again this season. Um, and, yeah, sitting sitting in a really good spot on um, on top of the ladder. Uh, hockey such as – field hockey is such a strong sport in Australia in, in men's and women's. We've seen how, you know, strong mm-hmm. we've been at Olympic level. So I'd imagine there's, there must be a lot of talent and a lot of quality in this league. Oh, absolutely. So the final series over the weekend um, on the 19th and 20th, um, like fans could just come down and watch um, Australia's best hockey players. So um, in our squad alone, we've got past and present um, hockey players and we've got a lot of Dillaroos who are the um, junior Australian um, hockey players kind of coming through. So we've got five players who are part of that um, squad. And then also some international stars as well. So um, we played with Hannah Cotter, who's just named in um, the junior New Zealand team, and um, also jo- Joanne Peters, who played for Belgium. So, yeah, incredibly um, talented group of hockey players um, in this squad and in the league. So, yeah, I guess um, huge for fans if they can get down to Bendigo Hockey Centre in a week's time or so. But, yeah, it's just um, incredible standard and um, looking forward to, to playing in the finals. Like uh, every other sport, COVID affected your sport greatly. Just just mm-hmm. how disruptive was it for, for yourself and, and, and this league in general? Yeah, so we played the first um, league of Hockey One in 2019 and we were lucky enough to make the final. Um, unfortunately, we went down to Brisbane Blaze. But, um, yeah, from 2019, there was obviously um, due to COVID, we weren't able to get the league off the ground for two years. So it's so good to be back this season 
um, you know, doing what we love. And there was just, yeah, a lot of training was happening because we were a bit unsure whether the league would go ahead in um, 2020 and 2021. Um, so I feel like we, we trained and trained and trained just to prepare ourselves and be ready in case the league went ahead. But unfortunately, yeah, we've spent um, a little bit of time away from um, some competitive hockey, but um, it hasn't impacted the standard by the looks because it's just such a strong pool of um, players and the um, final series is just going to be so um, so close. There's no room for error um, going into Bendigo. There's a semi-final on Saturday and the grand final on the Sunday. Um, but yeah, you've got you to win that semi to get into the, the main dance on Sunday. So no room for error. You're just telling no us about the influence of uh, Rachel Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Rachel, um, we're so lucky, I guess. That, um, she's been our keeper um, for Hockey Club Melbourne and for Victoria for a number of years and played at um, a national level for so many years and has a number of caps under her belt. But um, not only is um, she uh, such a talented goalkeeper, but just an exceptional human and someone that you want on your team and lifts the culture of a group. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, she was named Keeper of the World and we're just so lucky to have her on our team and what she's done for the sport of hockey, um, I guess, you know, lifting the profile and, um, you know, dedicating her time to kind of bring up the new kind of younger talent coming through um, Victorian hockey is amazing. So, yeah, she's a keeper and, yeah, we're happy to have her on our team. I guess in your role as captain, that, that I guess that's part of your role as well, uh, helping the younger players come through and, and improve. Yeah, um, you know, our squad is a little bit different this year. We've got such a um, kind of younger group um, coming through and they're just so skillful, so quick. Um, but, um, you know, I'm very lucky. I feel like my job as a captain is um, made quite easy with the group that we've got because we've just got so many leaders within our squad and each have their own skills and strengths. And, you know, whether it's the work rate on the pitch or addressing the group when things aren't going well and um, also just building social connection off pitch. So we pride ourselves in that as well, just, you know, having good connections off the pitch because it translates onto the pitch with, um, you know, being our best confident self when we get out there and taking risks on the pitch to score goals. And before I let you go, is it also true outside of hockey you enjoy a bit of mountain biking? Yeah, I do. So I grew up in the um, Gippsland region, um, so plenty of hills and um, live out in the country or grew up out in the country and, yeah, plenty of hills and trails out there. So um, when I can, when hockey allows and I've got a free weekend, I like to get out on the bike and, um, yeah, hit the trails, I guess. But, you know, it makes it a little bit difficult at the moment because the, the se- we're mid-season or we've got the um, Melbourne Premier League um you know, so it makes it hard to get the weekend free, but um, yeah, do love it, do enjoy it. Awesome, well, Hannah, great uh, to meet you this morning. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and uh, good luck for the final series uh, up there in Bendigo, uh, beginning next weekend. Uh, finals for both the men's and the women's, as Hannah mentioned, semi-finals, and then the final all played down uh, in Bendigo. Uh, good luck, and I hope it goes well for you and the team. Thank you so much for your time. So, how did when did sort of discussions about this um, get underway? Oh, probably I first got it approached by uh, our head of women's footy. Oh, it would have been like back in July, August, I think. Um, I already had a role with the club in their community space and coaching is always something that I wanted to sort of do. And um, I then, when Clarko came on board uh, a month or so ago, I uh, sat down with him and Tom Viney and, and sort of spoke about my passions in, in terms of coaching and, and what I could bring to the program and, they saw a bit of a gap in that development space and, and then one thing led to another and 
here I am now in the role. So what is the role specifically? Yeah, so it's, it's looking predominantly at the, the first to third year players' um, development. So that's their on-field development. So trying to upskill them with the tactical side of the game, but also upskilling them in their um, physical skills as well. But then it's that personal development um, space as well. So that off-field stuff, you know, what it takes to be an elite athlete, um, you know, just further education in terms of what they can do in outside of football to improve their football performance as well. I guess that's almost the perfect role for you, isn't it? Because you've got an education background, obviously footy is a passion, and we know Alistair Clarkson's uh, very similar from an education uh, background, so it, it sort of marries up really well. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, when I first got approached, I was like so excited by it because I've always loved footy and I always want to stay involved in the game when I eventually finish playing. But I think for me, that education piece, uh, it translates really well into, into coaching in terms of being able to communicate with players, uh, being able to form relationships with players, but then also educate in a way that sort of suits different learning styles as well. So I've certainly got the skill set to be able to bring that um, when it comes to coaching. Speaking to Emma Carney, uh, North Melbourne AFLW captain, also about her role under Alistair Clarkson with the men's program uh, for the upcoming season. You, I'm, you would have worked with a lot of the, the young girls on the North Melbourne AFLW list and, and going back to your time at the Bulldogs as well. I know the men's game and the women's game have got different challenges, but overall for, for young players coming into a, either an AFLW or an AFL system, what are some of the great challenges in their first couple of years that you think you can help them with? Uh, I think probably the number number of challenges would be um, just trying to get used to the speed of the game. Um, coming from juniors then to, to seniors can be quite overwhelming, um, but also just um, picking up the different game style, so trying to educate them a little bit better and then just trying to get their skills up to speed so they can match it with some of the elite players in the competition. Um, but I think probably the most important thing is trying to help them with their, the mental side of the game. Um, we always focus a lot about the physical side, but it's that mental side that can really, um, you know, hamper your performance if you're, if you're doubting yourself. So it's always um, trying to ensure that the, the younger players have a lot of confidence um, going into to games. We know that young people these days, they're, they're full of confidence, but they're not necessarily always full of confidence um, when they're performing on field. So it's making sure they've got the right mindset to adjust the challenges. And we know Daisy Pearce, she's going to join uh, Geelong post her footy career in a coaching role. And we're going to see more and more women being implemented into coaching roles and within men's programs. I'm sure across your journey, you've, you've played with a lot of girls or you know a lot of girls that uh, would be very, very good in these roles in the future as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've already seen Lauren Arnell um, and Matt Wood in the AFLW competition. I've played a lot of footy with them. Um, Daisy Pierce, another great example. She's got a tremendous footy brain. You only just need to listen to her special comments to realise how much she knows the game. So there's just going to be more and more um, women coming through, maybe not just in the men's uh, programs, but in the women's programs. And I think the more... The best voices you have, the more fresh ideas that you can implement into your programs, which is only a good thing for clubs. And how excited are you to work alongside Alistair Clarkson? Oh, he, he's one, one of those people that when he speaks, everyone listens. And I sat in on 
one of his defensive meetings yesterday and oh, just, he just speaks with such clarity uh, and he's got a great depth of understanding of, of the game and, and what it takes to win in the modern game. He's been able to adapt his, his coaching philosophies along the way and uh, yeah, he's one person that I'll just probably sit there in, in awe and just soak in as much information as I possibly can. Well, you got something a bit more pressing uh, this weekend. Of course, uh, tomorrow it's the semi-final against Richmond at Punt Road. It's uh, what have you made? I've heard you some of your comments earlier in the week. It's been a an interesting conversation about the venue for this game. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Um, I look, I think Richmond probably deserves the right to play at their home. They finished fourth, but I think in terms of the fans and getting more fans into the into the crowd, it would have been it would have been nice to have the Venue change. Uh, clearly, when you when you sell out in, in ten minutes, there's obviously a need for, for more people wanting to get into the to the game. Um, if we want to want to try to grow the the fan base in AFLW level, it'd be nice to have uh, be you know played at a ground that has a larger capacity. But um, we've had great success at, at Punt Road, so we're uh, we're really happy to take on Richmond there. What did you learn out of the game a couple of weeks ago? It was a thrilling game, ended in a draw, uh, so it makes uh, trying to pick a winner in this one pretty difficult. As a group, what did you learn out of that uh, that game against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, well, we just can't, well, I suppose it's the biggest thing that we learned is that if we don't come out um, hard in the first quarter, they can get us on the back foot a little bit. Um, they're a high-pressure team, and when they lost a Game territory, it's really hard to stop that momentum. So for us, it's just uh, trying not to retreat too much in, in defence. And um, but it, I think more importantly, it's just trying to control the, the tempo of the game. They're a pretty a high-paced sort of team, um, play a little bit chaotic. So we probably not too dissimilar to how the Richmond men played in their successive years. So for us, it's when we do win the ball back, it's just about having a bit more control. Jazzy Garner got plenty of attention a couple of weeks ago from the Tigers. Uh, I'm assuming she's expecting that a very similar sort of uh, experience again tomorrow. Yeah, I, I would have thought she'd, she'd get another tag. She's been the most outstanding player this season. Uh, I guess for us, though, it's it's now that because we've only played in a couple of weeks ago, we're, we're well aware that she probably will get the tag. So we put plans in place. Um, if, it, if it does eventuate like that again. So I think we're a little bit more um, prepared than, than last time. So we only have Jazz. Now personally, uh, in the All-Australian squad again, it's a phenomenal achievement, the consistency you've shown. What, what, what does it mean to you if you're named All-Australian once again this year? Oh, well, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous honour, I think. Um, it's, sort of a, it's a hard one to, to put into words, but... Um, I suppose it's just it just shows you that if you if you're willing to put in the work, if you if you're willing to take on feedback um, from your coaches and and really try to implement what they're trying to tell you and and play your role for the team, it can really help you be a successful player. And um, I try to base my game around uh, consistency, and that's what I try to bring to the team um, week in week out. But um, yeah, obviously. It's, it's, it's something that I'll certainly reflect on um, post my career, but yeah, it's, it's, something, it's a, certainly a feat that I'm, 
I'll be certainly proud of. And just finally, before I let you go, after your semi-final tomorrow, of course, it's Adelaide and Collingwood uh, over at Unley Oval there in Adelaide. Do you, do you feel for Chelsea Randall at the moment? Missed the grand final last year through concussion and again has been ruled out of a, a, a big game, a big final uh, with concussion again. Yeah, I, I do feel for it. Um, uh, yeah, any any player that misses through injury, you do feel for him. But um, someone like Chelsea Randall, who's you know a fierce leader for Adelaide, uh, unfortunately. But I think if you if we're really wanting to take this concussion stuff seriously, she's had a number of concussions now, and we want to look after the players' um, mental well-being post playing career. So I, I like the rules from the AFL. We need to start taking it more serious because we've seen some of the um, devastating effects that its concussions have had on our players um, previously. So we don't want to have too many more of those sort of issues arising in the future. Absolutely. Uh, Emma, thanks so much for your time this morning. Congratulations on the new role uh, working alongside Alistair Clarkson. Exciting time for North Melbourne, exciting time for you. But uh, more importantly, uh, good luck against the Tigers uh, tomorrow afternoon at Punt Road. Thanks very much. The captain's run with Sam Edmund. Can only mean one thing. Miles Fitzner is in the studio. We look ahead to the weekend's racing. But before we get to that, uh, we're not allowed to call it Magic Round. Is that because it would have been lawyers at 10 paces and you would have sued? That's it's true. Um, who's a guy in America? Hello to you first, of course, Jules, and hello <laughs> to the listeners. Who's the guy in it? Is it Bruce Buffer that he patented le- its time? That's right. Yeah, I've, yes. painted, I've, I've put a patent on magic, um, courtesy of Sam Hargraves. I, you have to embrace your nickname. First, I hated it. Then when my missus started calling me it, then I hated it even more. That's even worse. And then when you when you fight a nickname, then now you've got to embrace it. So I just had Peter Malinowskis on the phone. I said, "Don't you dare! <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, the lawyers will come knocking." What should we call it? Um, should we? Why don't we name it after the well, other Australian well, great? No, nah, well, see, this is what blight round. No, nah, well, this is what they should have done. Ren round. In my opinion, what they should have done is this, these are the rounds that they should make the retro round, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, you just put them all in one area, and then you make the whole thing around retro round. Then all the events are all around the past players and and you, all, all the speakers are, and you make it a sort of a look back in time and that's what you they're all in one spot so you pull the retro round rather than being you know one of the other ones that mm-hmm. sort of just skims by and you make retro round a thing so prison in bar one spot. for Port Adelaide well yeah, retro round I don't know Let's see what Eddie has to say well Michelangelo Rucci and Eddie can go toe to toe on that. Um, I'm, isn't that wait for that to come up again this year? Oh, of course, it will. There is no surer bet in sport than the prison bar argument, and everyone's sick of it. No one cares. No, I agree. Just yep. let them wear it. Exactly. Uh, I can't believe all the negativity around uh, what yet to be named round. I think it's great, and and Adelaide's a great venue for it. it it's look, I, I'm a because I'm a South Australian boy. I've grown up supporting Victorian teams my entire life, so I'm not a Crows Report supporter. I'm not even a Redbacks fan. I'm a Bush Rangers. Supporter, and I'm a Geelong supporter, um, and I'll go for the Melbourne Storm as well, and the victory. Um, but Adelaide to live and to get around logistically, and to live and to if you want to raise a family or do anything like that, there is just no better place. Everything's convenient, and if you are going to go over there, make a trip of it because McLaren Vale, Barossa Valley, Clare Valley, Adelaide Hills, 
some of the four best wine regions in Australia, if not two of the best, and then you've, you've got everything you want at your doorstep. Yeah, that's everything you want within correct. within twenty minutes. We're here. I drove in from Murrumbina this morning. It took me forty five minutes. <laughs> I mean, and that's just, I'm not bagging Melbourne no, at all. Melbourne's no. unbelievable. Yep. I love I love it here. But it's you just anyone that knocks Adelaide's just they just haven't been. It's as simple as that. It's a you know you may as well call the Earth flat. I, I put people that bag other states in the flat Earth category. How's the cashies for Tom Wren coming in in this round? Airborne. He can he can line his Tom Wren for a week. Do you reckon soda wouldn't be oh, oh, licking Corey his lips? Norris. Corey Norris soda. Tom Wren. Uh, who else is it? John Casey, even the yeah. great John Casey. He'll slide in and do a few. And then you've got Theodoropoulos. Theodoropoulos, who famously dropped the catch for the Australian cricket team Correct. as subfielder. <laughs> but then even go down to your subsection, you've got um, Cosy Costello, you know, South Aussie with Cosy. He'll chime in. Beck Morse, former Channel Ten, she'll chime in. Kate Freeman will stop doing the ten years weather here in Adelaide. She'll go back for the weekend. Cash is king for the Adelaide media yeah, team. Like Christmas over there for them, mate. Let's get stuck into the racing. Let's start in, in Newcastle, million-dollar race. Yeah, the Hunter, another one of these put-on races that they've got up there, and this is wide open. You're 550 the field, and three horses are at $5.50, including Wahaha falls down the bottom, Jules, and that's if that gets a run. It's going to need to be scratchings for it to get a run. If it does, I think it's a chance. It's not a race I'm going to be betting into too heavily. Um, I think there are a few that are overs. You know, Swats, that's overs at around the $26 mark. Um, ingratiating at 26s is overs. Bandersnatch at 21s is overs. I can't lead you into even 11-11 at 14s. Go wide in your exotics. Um, it's just not a race to pick the winner in. It's, it's Whoever gets the run here is going to be the one that wins, I would have thought. Cranberry Cup? Yeah, this is another good race. It's sort of we're not at the end of the spring carnival yet. We've still got um, other races to come, and this is what part of them. And you probably got to be with Uncle Bryn here. And if you look back through the form lines, you go back um, a few uh, starts ago, the seventeenth of September. It ran behind a horse called Smoke and Romans, ran second there, then went to Caulfield, had no favours, something went wrong, went to Sale and out, came out and smashed Flash R, and then went to Rose Hill and was two point seven links off Ellsberg and Sabak. That form should stack up. Uncle Bryn here, um, a couple of roughies, no effort, um, obviously set for this at around the $20 mark. Uh, ironclad, $12, um, that won't be the worst um, in the roughy aspect. And if it gets wet, call sign Mav up the top at $15 and Bell Placier at around about $12 or $13. So Uncle Bryn stand out, then there's four in there that are all double figures that can win, especially if it rains. As you say, Carnival not officially over, but all the, the big, big races are, are run and done. What, what, what was your highlight overall? If there was one race you enjoyed or one win that you enjoyed more than any other. Oh, H2O at $31 in the last. It was, <laughs> pretty sorry, am I allowed to say that? Is that oh, no, sorry, that was, yeah, it was me. Yeah, it was me, Benny. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, overall, I, I think. My highlight was the fact that the number one thing as a tipster, right, is you hate people coming to you and going, I've got a thing that I do with my betting that's a sure thing. So I get it all the time. People say back they've got a pattern or something that, that's their niche that they think is yours. So I get told the most out of anything is back everything Jamie Carr rides, you won't lose. Mm. Now, that's not true. No, back not everything true. James McDonald rides, it's not true. And the biggest proof in that was the fact that that you saw jockeys like Jamie Mott, yep. you saw other jockeys right throughout the carnival, Jared Fry, all this, they're riding Group 1 winners. It just goes to show our best is clearly James McDonald. But then from second to 20, throw a blanket over him. 
and, and these jockeys that don't get regarded as the best there is, they're riding there consistently and they are the best there is. So my highlight was the fact that jockeys that don't get enough kudos road group one winners and just prove that if you're on the right horse and you give it the right ride, you can win. Yeah, we had Jamie Mott on the program uh, on Tuesday, I think it was, and a great breakthrough for him. Two group ones uh, over the spring. We've got about 50 seconds before we uh, have a bit of a special remembrance for Remembrance Day. Have you got a, a best around the country this weekend? I've got a couple for you, and they're both at Cranbourne. Um, really keen, race three, number one, Port Phillip. Now, the form around this horse is as good as any. It ran second behind High Emotion, who ran second in the Melbourne Cup. Um, and had no right that I did, didn't have it there. Um, so the form's going to stack up. Uh, before that, it beat uh, Kissinger, who's 260 in this field as well. Before that, beat Angelic Scent. It's done everything right. I, I, I'm, unless something goes amiss, uh, that's the best bet on the card. And then you can roll it into the next race. Now, this is a horse I've tipped on this show. I've mentioned it months ago, ages ago. Grease, $1.80. If it's wet, they'll scratch it. Um, or too wet, don't back it. But race three, Port Phillip. Race for Greece, roll them together. Morning. Been to Australia before? No, nah, it's going to be the first time. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, actually, I'm to be fair. Want to explore? <laughs> what do, What do you What do you want to explore? What do you know about the country that you want to have a good look at? No, nah, just the city in general. Um, I've always been well known about Australia. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't have probably have visit. Went out my own way to visit it because the flight's long and stuff like that. But now I've got an opportunity through football. I'm excited and just to see what the city is about. Yeah, no, it is a long flight. It's uh, not the most fun flight, but uh, you will get here uh, eventually. Uh, start of the Premier League season for Everton. It's been a little bit up and down. How have you assessed it so far? Yeah, literally, just what you said, it's been up and down. Um, but it's still early doors. And with the quality quality in the team, I don't worry too much. Um, but essentially, it's just about getting the points on the board. And we struggled to do that a little bit over the last few weeks. But hopefully over the season, we can you know, go on a little run, get a consistent amount of wins and climb the table. You've played under several managers over the journey. Um, it's Frank Lampard at the moment. How do you find Frank? Yeah, good. It's been good with us, good with the boys. Um, him and his staff are good. And just their ideas and the way they want us to play, they train it very well. It's very it's very clear. And uh, like I said, in some games you can see it. Some games we don't perform it too well. So I think, you know, everyone would take accountability uh, about that. Well, like I said, we have a good bunch of players there and... Over time, we can uh, get some momentum and many many wins on the board. For those that don't know your journey, it's been a really interesting one. Uh, you know, you're, you're at Leicester when they won the championship, then you went headed over to Germany to play for Bayer Leverkusen, and now back to Everton. How, how do you look at your journey so far in professional footy? Uh, journey's been a bit strange, a bit interesting. <laughs> um, obviously, growing up. When I was, say, what, 18, first coming through, I wouldn't have expected my journey to be what it was. But, yeah, it's been good. Good and bad at the same time because through the bad times, they kind of strengthen you. So that's that's a good thing. Uh, Germany was difficult because it was COVID, uh, pretty bad out there. And I couldn't see my family and stuff for six months. So that was tough. 
But uh, coming back to England was the best thing that could happen. And I think since I've come, my performances have been pretty good. Um, building relationships with the Everton fans, which is important because the way the fan base is there, it's good to have relationships and be connected to the fans. But um, yeah, overall, I'm happy with my journey. I wouldn't change anything. And as we speak now, I'm happy playing football where I am now, under Frank Lampard. Speaking of Everton star, Damari Gray, how, how do you find the Everton fans? They've obviously got the other team in the city, Liverpool, going really well. It hasn't been a lot of success for Everton. They're, they're, they're crying out for some success. How do you how do you find the Everton faithful? Um, when, they're, when they're on it and fully behind us, probably, for me, the best set of fans that uh, I've been around. They literally helped us stay up last season as well. They're dead on parades, flooded the streets with flares and stuff like that. So you've kind of seen what they're, what they're capable of. Um, if we're not performing so well, they're not shy to let us know. <laughs> so it's just like, right, they'll let us know if it's not good. When it's good, you'll really feel it. So we just got to try and play at a level which is good so we can get that reaction from them. When Leicester won the title, it was a story that captured the imagination of the whole world. What are, what are your memories of that time when, when Leicester won what many thought was the most unlikely of Premier League titles? Yeah, it's just a bit... Um, even now, it's hard to kind of find... It's hard to find the right words because it was just like a dream. I was in a bubble for that period of time because I've left Birmingham, signed for Leicester... And everything's just great. We're winning every game. We're going to Man City. We're winning games. Then um, we found out we won the Premier League. Uh, where I think a game before the season had finished. So it was uh, obviously incredible for everyone and Leicester. But I think for football as well, because it's normally your Arsenal, Chelsea, Man U's, Man City's who are always competing. But for a team like Leicester who have come through the ranks as well to win it. The shows, um, anything is possible. Given all that, how difficult was it to leave Leicester? Um, it wasn't difficult to leave Leicester. I think there was managerial changes and I just think the manager at the time wasn't really feeling me. I wanted to play regular football. And yeah, after a few conversations, it, it was clear then... Yeah, I got myself out and I thought it was the right time to. I think my time there just went a bit stale. Nothing was really going to progress. Um, so, yeah, I made made that decision to leave. You played a lot of underage football for England. I'm assuming one of the goals in your career is to get back and play some, some senior football for England. Yeah, obviously that's always been, been an ambition, but um, I don't focus on that too much. Obviously, to get there you need to be smashing it every week at your club I think the manager's always watching uh, he has his targets he has his players that he likes already so I think for a player in my position as well the competition is very high so that mean I need to be at the top of my game week in week out um, scoring or assisting which isn't the most easiest thing to do but <laughs> yeah that's how it is really but I think the squad that is selected is a strong strong team and I wish them the best at 
at the tournament. How far can England go in this tournament? You know, semi-finalists at the last World Cup, finalists at the last Euros. How far can this team go? Oh, yeah, like you said, they've been finalists in the last few tournaments. And with this team, uh, the squad selected, I think they can go as far as they like, really. And why not keep pushing for the final stages of the competitions. Obviously, it's going to be a very tough one. There's a lot of good teams in it as well, but I have full belief in the squad that's been selected and obviously the ambition is to win. Yeah, also to in win the... the yep. Sorry, Damari. Also in the Sydney Super Cup, you're coming up against Celtic. Obviously, every Australian keeps a close eye on Celtic because Ange Postacoglu, the manager, uh, is an Australian. Do you, do you keep much of an eye on, on the football north of the border up there in England? Yeah, I do watch... Uh... A lot of Scottish football. It's on the TV quite a lot, so it's mainly Rangers and Celtic are on the TV as well, so I'm aware of the, the Scottish football. You seem like a pretty laid-back guy, Damari. What what do you like to do outside of uh, outside of when you're playing football? Yeah, I'm very laid-back. <laughs> um, outside, of, outside of football, I just like to chill. Chill with my pals, go home to my family when I can. Literally, that's it. Spend time with my loved ones and stuff, so nothing nothing that's going to shock you, but just the basics of being around the ones that I care about the most. Do you, are you a cricket fan? Nah, cricket ain't really for me. I don't <laughs> mind a bit of basketball. Um, yeah, that's it for me, really. Who, who's, your team in, who's your team in the basketball? When I, well, a few years ago, when I was, I was in Toronto, and it was... Um, when they won it. Yeah. And I've got family in Canada as well. So the Raptors, I've always had a good feeling with them. Not sure how they're doing now, but um, yeah, the Raptors had a good... Toronto Raptors, I did enjoy them. Beautiful. And uh, so one more league game to go before Bournemouth for the break uh, for the World Cup. Um, three points would be pretty nice to go into that World Cup break. Yeah, obviously off the back of the loss in the Cup, I think it would be the right thing to do to... Correct it. I think obviously playing them, you can see their weaknesses and stuff. And in this game now, we just have to, you know, attack their weaknesses, strengthen up on the areas we were weak, and strengthen up on the areas we were weak, and yeah, try and dominate the game. I think if you look at our team, there's a load of quality. We beat some good teams already this season, so there's no reason why if we don't apply ourselves properly that we can't win. Win on a weekend. Well, Damari, uh, great to chat. Great to meet you and uh, enjoy your time in Australia. The flight is not a lot of fun, as we say, but uh, just make sure you've got plenty of movies to watch and a bit of music and uh, you'll be here before you know it. Uh, enjoy your time out here and uh, good luck for the rest of the Premier League season. Thank you very much.